My goodness me. If, if they'll do that for a half-baked Irishman, what are they going to do for Jesus? Amen. Yeah. I just want to correct your senior minister. Not a good thing to do with your opening statement, I admit, but he did say I was born in New Zealand, and that can't just go by. I am identified as a Kiwi because I lived most of my life here, and so I feel a Kiwi. I am a Kiwi, really. But I was born in Northern Ireland, so that makes me Irish by birth. So, um, And it really is most essential that you know that. As the man just said, it explains a lot. Okay. Um, And looking out at the crowd of people that are here this morning, uh, it thrills my heart because it tells me that and God is very much alive. And, you know, the the kind of image that sometimes you have of of, uh, uh, more... Uh, rural or, uh, areas or, I don't know, what, what do you call Hawke's Bay? What, uh, apart from that, you know, um, can't get a decent word out of this man this morning. Um, but the fact that I look around here and I see uh, the evidence that God's not a God of geography. God, God isn't intimidated by, by, by uh, the things that intimidate human beings. And when God decides to do something significant on the planet, all he has to do is find men and women and young people and children that dare to believe him. And uh, the sky's the limit after that. Um, and uh, I, uh, I've got a fair while this morning, have I? I, I? You know what? I deliberately didn't ask your pastor this morning what time I was supposed to finish. You, you realize why I didn't do that? So I now don't have to feel guilty about <laughs> So, but I, I, was, I feel just to ramble for a second or two because I, 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 things flip into my heart prophetically, uh, and I know to honor that, okay? Um, by the way, my wife, Margaret, was really ill when I left. She couldn't be with us, but uh, been much in prayer for us that we'd have a, a significant time. And when I look at the uh, numbers that are here this morning, uh, I, I, I'm rejoicing but I'm also challenged because um, of the number that was there yesterday at, at, at Overcomers Born to Rule. And I just want to encourage you, get the CD, get the DVD, uh, um, make it a priority, do it. Why? Because I believe God wants to raise up an army in this place that is not only going to affect Hawke's Bay, it's going to affect the nation, but also the nations of the earth. And I, ha- I really believe that. I wouldn't say it flippantly. I believe that. The nations of the earth and the, uh, and the impact that you will have is ever going to increase. And, of course, you're going to be challenged in the times that lie ahead and the years that lie ahead because, of course, the auditorium itself, though it's wonderful, will be not big enough. So, therefore, you know, you're going to be having to look probably at multiple services or whatever it is because God is just going to continue to increase and increase and increase. Why? Because he's found a people that one, love him, but two, believe him. You see? And it's one thing to love him, but it's nothing to believe him. And once having believed him, to obey him. Amen? This little, I went into rural Australia a few weeks ago. Something uh, that was, I was booked to go and speak to pastors in this little town. And I, for the world of me, can never remember why I was actually booked to go there. 
Uh, um, and uh, I actually asked my son, who's now kind of the executive director of our ministry, and I just said, uh, why did you book me in there? And uh, he just said, oh, I really felt it was God, and it was sounded about right, and, I, and you gave me the nod at the time. I said, okay, okay. And it was called Bensdale, and, of course, nobody's ever heard of it, and it was in my state, and I still hadn't heard of it. And, and, and so I'm, dri- I'm driving for hours out in the middle of nowhere, and I'm thinking, Lord, help me. There's going to be four people gathered around a, a desk in the middle of a, a – I, I didn't know what to expect, you know. Anyways, I get out there. And there's about 120 at the pastor's gathering. They've come from all around the region. And I thought, well, that's pretty awesome. But I guess that's because they've come, most of them come for four or five hours to get there. But I guess Sunday morning, you know, in a place this, because I looked at the size of the town, and I figured there must have been about 40 to 50 in the church. And I thought, that's pretty good. And, And so I turn up on Sunday morning, and it's a building like this. And there's over 300 of them turned out. And I found a man that was not intimidated by his environment. And now they're planting other churches in the region. And I, once again, something soared inside of me, realizing that the most powerful and significant things on this globe are not necessarily going to come out of Auckland or Sydney or Melbourne. They're going to come out of a group of people that happen to know God. And so I'm very passionate about all that, in case you didn't notice. And so yesterday, with Overcomers Born to Rules, it's not just a seminar to me. It's a passion. It's a word that God gave me to raise up an army that can take cities and take nations because they have discovered the power of personal spiritual authority. You can walk in it every day of your life. So please take a look at that. Okay, this morning, I really want to share... Uh, differently than I did last year. Um, last year, it was very much, I was prophesying over quite a number of individuals constantly and, and bringing prophetic pictures to the house and interpreting those, and it's highly prophetic. And I felt God speak to me more uh, differently, uh, differently this time, and more the apostolic hat has been on since we've been here, speaking to the leadership and doing the seminar, etc. But this morning, I am convinced of one thing. God loves you as an individual. Now, God woke me up this morning, and I got a word, and I I just wrote it down. Here's what he said to me this morning. He said, in order for my will to prevail in Bay City Outreach Center, my will must prevail in each individual. This is just a simple little word. But you see, you are the church. When we talk about what this church will do, God is only ever speaking about what you will do, because you're it. Turn to the person next to you and say, you're it. Okay. And so everything I say this morning, everything I say this morning, I want you to take out ownership on it. I want you to say, my God, speak to me. Holy Spirit, speak to me. Okay? And so from this moment on, I don't care whether I'm telling a story, sharing a scripture, what's going to happen in the next 45, 50 minutes, whatever time I end up with. But I want to tell you something. God wants to talk to you. And so I believe you get exactly what you ask for. And so right now, this morning, I want to begin right now by you individually, personally reaching out and asking for the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Don't go out those doors without the Holy Ghost having said something very significant, very personal, very individual to you. Can we just ask him for that this morning? 
Father, we love you. We come to you again, Lord, because of the great joy and celebration of our hearts. Oh, God, we are overawed that we have the privilege to love you and to honor you and to serve you. You have transformed our lives. And we're so grateful, Father. Now we come, Lord, to minister again together, Father. We again honor the person of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you be both prophet and teacher and instructor and apostle and whatever you have to be to make sure that the mind, will, and intention of our Father is fully realized in this place today. Father, I pray that every word, every thought, every uh, communication in our time together, Father, will accurately reveal your intention, Father. We give you alone the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, John and Jessica, uh, there's times when God gives a prophetic word, and it's the prophecy of God's intention. We know that. But there's other times when God uses a prophet to actually speak into being something, like Ezekiel did with the bones. I mean, as he prophesied, they did. You understand the principle. And I just was standing here in worship this morning, and I felt God say, not to pray for you, but to proclaim over you. Is that okay? All right. And because as it is mixed with your faith, then it becomes a reality. And I'm speaking to you both together. And I'll be emphasizing that again in just a moment because of a thing that God is going to ask you to do in Uganda, which necessitates that it be the two of you that do it. The together thing, okay? Um, but God really spoke to my heart in the worship that there was going to come an increase of the apostolic grace in your life, an increase of revelation, an increase of understanding, and an increase of credibility in your nation. And as you walk humbly before God and keep a spirit of humility, God is going to give you credibility with men and women in high places. And God is also going to give you, and I am not normally this specific, but God is going to give you seven people that men and women who, as you pour your life into them, will actually become under an apostolic grace themselves. And there will be like a multiplication of all that God has put in your heart to do because it will be multiplied through them as well. I also saw that God was going to bring you to um, it was like, like there was, you were digging wells in some places, but you were actually going to very already dug wells in other places that had been dried up and filled up. I said something about this Friday morning. It's just like they've been clogged up, and you were unstopping the wells that, that would flow and bring life. And I believe there's churches in your nation that have once known the visitation of God, but because of wrong leadership, um, disappointments, discouragements, all sorts of stuff are now in the shadows. They're now, their day is gone and they sit there like some sort of memory of yesterday. And God is going to give you a grace to go in there and set a spark alive again and bring them back to life again. Okay? Now, this very specific thing that I felt to say and was that God was going to require of you both together to... It's a strange way to put it. I don't know the culture of your land at all. But it's like God just said, you're to release the women. 
Release them. Release them. Release them. Release them. There, 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 there's, there's graces from God. There's, there's giftings from God that are lying in the hearts of some women in your nation that need to be released and that regardless of, of, of the circumstance or the culture, I, I don't know what all of those things. But I know this, that God spoke to me this morning. And that you two are going to break into something fresh and very powerful together that in turn is going to unlock them. All right. Praise the Lord. Bless you. Don't you love this couple? Father, just raise your hand. Just extend your hand towards them. Let me just take your hands together. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, as I pray for this precious couple right now, Father, I proclaim all that you have now spoken over them in Jesus' name. And, Father, we expect from this very hour to see an increase of understanding, revelation, apostolic anointing, and credibility in their nation. Father, we see the unlocking of other ministries. We see the resurrection of those that have once walked well and now are in the shadows. Father, we see it. We declare it over them, the favor of God. Father, we unlock your provision to them supernaturally, Lord, from uh, every quarter, uh, Lord God, that their, their, their provision uh, shall overflow, their barns shall overflow, their vats shall overflow. Father, that in itself shall, shall be such a declaration to their nation that you'll say, how can this thing be in our land? That thing can be in America, but how can it be in our land? For you shall break the mold, and you shall cause your people even to come, uh, as it were, out of the shadows and live with a dignity and with an honor and with a stature and with a credibility that they have not done so in previous times. Oh, Father, let your hand of favor be on them in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This morning I want to talk to you. I felt that God gave me, and I mentioned this to Pastor Mike when I arrived, it was like the whole time I've been praying for you, all I've been seeing is individuals. Every time I prayed and said, God, give me a word for the church. God, give me a word for the church. All I could see was a sea of individuals. And God spoke very clearly to me and said, that's what I really want to do on this Sunday. I really want to take the individual. I, I want to take the one that is a two out of a ten and make them a four out of ten. I want to take the one that is a five out of a ten and make them a seven out of ten. I want to take the one that's a six out of a ten and make them an eight out of a ten. God, God wants to break the limitations that life and circumstance and situations and, and the past and, and, and upbringing and all education or whatever else, natural limitations. God wants to break the natural limitations that have been placed upon your life and your thinking so that this morning and tonight you go from where you are now to where God intends you to be. And right now you need to, even before I start preaching, you need to decide in your heart, I am not going to live on the level that I have been living on one more day. I am going to see Jesus break the 
shackles of confinement and restriction that have been placed upon my life. If they've been placed there by childhood, I break them in Jesus' name. If they've been placed there in my teenage years, I break them in Jesus' name. If I've been placed there because of wrong parenting or abuse in the past, I am breaking them in Jesus' name. I will not be limited and restricted and bowed down one more hour of my life. You need to stand and declare that right now, I am going to the next level, whatever God wants for my life. Come on, stand and do it. Tell God I'm going to the next level. I'm going to the next level. I am going to break through this day. I will not receive the limitations. I will not receive the restrictions. I am breaking through to the next level today. As you're seated, God wants to take areas also. This is the second thing. God wants to take areas that are to you now as you think upon them. Areas that would be shadows, disappointments, discouragements, particular events, maybe people, maybe a season in your life which... For you, every time you were to think about it would be with darkness or disappointment. And God is going to redeem those today. And God is going to show you that that which has been a well of discouragement will become a well of inspiration. That season that you have seen as a negative shall become a positive. God is going to transform your desert places into fruitful places. I've got a little book out. I don't think there's any left, so I'm not advertising it, although I can send some across if there's enough people that want it. It's called Tragedy to Triumph. It's one of my devotionals that I put out. And I am convinced of one thing, that God wants this morning your tragedies to become triumphs. And God wants to take the areas that you would identify as, oh, I don't want to go back there again. Man, I'd never want that back again. Dear God, thank you that that's in the past. Dear God, let's just, I don't even think about it. God is going to ask you to revisit it, but he's going to ask you to allow him to redeem it. Jeremiah chapter 33. We have... A, First three verses of Jeremiah 33 go a bit like this. Oh, by the way, can everybody see me back there if I just walking around like this? I mean, my notes are all up there. The pulpit's up there, but I'm down here. Um, is that all right? Okay. Is that cool? Oh, oh I see. Me ugly mug is up there. It's amazing to see all this high-tech stuff, eh? Hastings, glory to God. Ooh, there's a fire. In Jeremiah 33, verse 1, the Lord says to Jeremiah, it says this, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time. I want to talk about the word of the Lord coming to you the second time. And tonight I want to talk to you about take about those who have borne fruit going to bear much fruit, extravagant fruit. If you think to yourself this morning, I can't see a lot of 
eternal spiritual fruit in my life. That's just not where I've been. Then please come tonight because God is going to explode your potential for fruitfulness. And if you've got unsaved friends, backslidden friends, you better bring them tonight because they'll go from no fruit into much fruit. And tonight I'm, I'm believing that. I, I'm believing for, I'm a prophet, not evangelist, but I absolutely know in my spirit that God wants souls saved and backsliders restored today. Okay? And so you bring them and let God touch them. All right? But if you're not normally coming out on a Sunday night, please come out tonight because I, I am absolutely burdened. I absolutely know that God wants to take you into extravagant fruitfulness as an individual. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time. The second time. Why, why, why would God speak to somebody twice had he not communicated effectively the first time? Oh, yes, he had. Was it not clear the first time? Oh, yes, it was. Because in Jeremiah chapter 1, God spoke very clearly to Jeremiah and said, I've called you to be a prophet unto the nations, and you'll do this and you'll do that. And wonderful, awesome prophetic word over Jeremiah's life. And so it's abundantly clear exactly what God wanted Jeremiah to do. So why does God come and speak the second time? Well, that, my friends, is because of where Jeremiah was. Jeremiah 33, 1 says, And the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the second time, whilst he was shut up in the court of the prison. You see, when God brings the word of the Lord the second time, Jeremiah is not touring the nations and preaching and having an awesome prophetic moment. He is sitting in a prison. He's not sitting in a local, nice little 21st century prison. He's in a B.C. prison, Old Testament prison. They sent him in there with the rats to die. Now, he's sitting in a prison, and he's thinking to himself, God, where was this in the prophetic word? Now, Lord, you said a lot of glorious stuff when you spoke to me, but you didn't mention this stinking prison. This was not part of the deal. What is going on? He was in a place of absolute contradiction to everything God had said that he would do. And he's sitting there in the prison thinking, my God, is this the end of it all? What about all those wonderful things you said to me, Lord? Does it all end in this prison? That prison was a place of contradiction to everything that he thought God had said to him. No doubt he was beginning to doubt. But you know that prison was something else. If somebody comes up to you, not up to you because you're godly, decent people, but if someone comes up to the average person in society, applies for a job or something of that nature, and says, I want you to know that I've had the last two years in prison. What's the automatic reaction of a lot of people? Huh? It's like, oh. Oh, okay. Mm. And immediately, what does the poor person think? How do they feel? They feel humiliated. They, 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 they feel it's automatic discouragement. They carry around with them this humiliation. I have been in prison. And so, really, Jeremiah is not only in a place of discouragement and contradiction, he's in a place of humiliation. Knowing, having known the 
call of God and having been blessed of God, having been used of God, having been wonderfully touched by God and significantly fruitful, he's now in a place of not only contradiction but discouragement and humiliated by that which he himself had done nothing to produce. How unjust is that? And so he was feeling betrayed too. And as he's sitting in that kind of a condition saying, God, did you ever really speak to me? The word of the Lord comes the second time. Why? Because God's faithful. God knows when you feel like that. And do you know why he comes a second time? Because he's a God of resurrection. He's a God of the second time. He's a God that says, look, it may look like it's dead now, but it's going to live. It may look like it's not possible now, but I'm going to make it possible. It may look like it's beyond all possibility of redemption, but I'm going to redeem it now. And I'm talking to some of you about your children. I'm talking to you about your marriage. I'm talking to you about your finances. I'm talking to you about your business. I'm talking about to you about your ministry. I'm talking about the call of God that once burned bright in your spirit, and now you feel that you had to either give it up or modify it or dilute it, or at least make it a little more reasonable. And now you've come to grips with reality, and you have adapted so that what God originally said into your spirit is now more reasonable, because after all, what God said to you in the first instance hasn't got really any possibility, so you may as well lower your expectation because of what life has told you. And God comes to you and says, what I said to you in the beginning is still going to be a reality. I'm going to resurrect it this morning. I'm bringing it back into focus this morning. It's yet going to live. And so God comes to Jeremiah the second time, and what does he say to him? He says, I am the Lord. Now, he knew that already. But he said, I am the Lord, the one that formed it in order to establish it. Why why would he say that? I am the one who formed it in order to establish it. In other words, God was telling Jeremiah one plain thing. I don't start anything. I don't intend to finish. I formed it to establish it. I gave it to you in order to do it. I didn't prophesy into you just so that you could sit in a, the rest of your life wishfully hoping it was for a purpose I intended to complete it. And right now, God is saying it to, to you. I put it in your heart with a deliberate intent that it would be a reality. Not just so you can have a wonderful prophetic word. Not so so you can go home and say, wow, I've got a prophetic word one day. No, no, no. God's intention was that would become a reality. And then he says this to him. Call unto me. And I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you have not yet seen nor ever experienced. And friends, listen to me. There's the pivot moment. Call unto me. Don't try to make it happen. Don't fuss about it. Don't criticize others because they don't understand. Don't get all uh, bitter and twisted about it. Call unto me and I will answer you. 
You always have one of two options, friends, and that is either respond Godward or react manward. And if you react manward, you've lost it. But if you respond Godward, who is really ordering your steps, God will redeem it. God will redeem it. God will make it happen, that original promise. And then he says, but when he says, when he says to Jeremiah, call unto me, he gives him some very specific instructions, which I think you must need to understand. He says, call unto me, and I will show you great and mighty things which you have not yet seen nor experienced. And so what, and the word mighty there in the Hebrew is a word for apparently beyond reach, beyond all possibility, outside of the potential of reach. It's that word that says that. And so what's he actually saying to Jeremiah? He's actually saying to Jeremiah this. I want you to call unto me, but I'm not just talking about in general sense, oh God, oh God, oh God. No, I want you to call unto me with a certain expectation. I want you to call unto me believing that when I answer you, I'm going to show you some stuff that is apparently beyond your reach, beyond your capabilities. Don't call unto me expecting me to tell you to do something that you already can do. Because when I speak to you, I'm going to speak to you some stuff that you can't do in your natural but I will empower you to do in the supernatural. Friends, the reason why you haven't heard God speak for a while might be because you're limiting what you want to hear. God, speak to me something that doesn't really stretch me. Lord, speak to me something that doesn't really count, you know, that doesn't take me off the end of the pier. God, uh, let, let me walk on the water, but I still want to stay in the boat. Don't make it too scary. Well, take the lid of restriction off. Allow God to be unconditional this morning. Say to God, Lord, breathe into me, speak into me, Lord, and whatever you say, whatever you say I can do by the Holy Ghost, I'm going to believe it. I am not going to put lids of restriction on what you want to do in and through my life as an individual. Oh, if you could see yourself as God already does it's awesome I mean I'm looking out over this congregation this morning and I'm not exaggerating I'm looking over this congregation this morning and you wouldn't believe what I see Doug stand up how tall do you think Doug is Roughly. 5'9", five, 5'10", five, whatever. But you see, when I look at him, I'm seeing him 7'6". See, I'm seeing him this tall. And God's trying to tell me something. That's where God is going to make him. That's who God created you to be. This is only the beginning. This is only the first steps. It's awesome what God has done. There's a drop in a bucket to what he's about to. You see, I'm looking at you, and I'm seeing you through the eyes of divine potential. Not, not, not what life has told you you are. 
Not what your, what your friends have told you are. Not what your education has told you are. Not what that failure told you you are. Not what that discouragement told you are. I'm seeing you as God already sees you. Do you know how he sees you? Through the eyes of divine potential. He knows who he can make you to be. And some of you, when you first came to Jesus and first got filled with the Spirit and water baptized and stuff, you dared to dream dreams. Come on, I can tell you, I can, you're sitting there and some of you are nodding and some of you are too scared to nod. But it's a truth and a reality of it is you know that it's true. In those first few days when it's all very exciting, the little dreams popped into your brain. You dared to think you could be a person of significance. The time, disappointments, life. Stuff happens. And we either dilute it, downgrade it, or walk away from it. And God is saying this morning, it's resurrection day. It's resurrection day. Can you hear me? It's resurrection day. It's resurrection morning. In Joshua, book of Joshua, if you want to check this out, in the book of Joshua, you have an amazing event taking place. And I, I, I want you to get a hold of this. You see, we can learn so much. In Joshua chapter 1, it's awesome. I mean, it's incredible. God speaks as an unbelievable word. You know, just can you just imagine Joshua's heart? He's, he's coming in after Moses, the greatest leader of mankind the world had ever seen. And now he's going to take the reins. And man, is that scary. And God comes to him and says, and just like I've been with Moses, I'm going to be with you. And, you know, you're going to be the one that's going to tow in and take the hold of the land. You're going to possess the whole thing. And it's going to be outright glorious. And it is. So the commission comes, the prophecy comes, and the, it's dynamic. And so what happens? Well, he sails into it. Initially, it's awesome, and and they go in, and they attack Jericho, and Jericho comes down, and, and miracles are popping out everywhere, and the walls are falling down because people are shouting at them, and I mean, it's wonderful stuff. And for six chapters, it's wonderful stuff. And then in chapter 7, through no fault of his own whatsoever, some guy by the name of Achan decides he's going to steal and rob the, the plunder and hide it in his tent, and God gets mad, and, and all sorts of hard stuff goes down. And, 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 and so in the middle of all that, Joshua goes in against a city called Ai. Now, you listen to me. AI, AI was AI was a nothing compared with Jericho. I, I mean, he, he, Joshua had pulled down Jericho, and so AI was like a hiccup on the way. You know, I mean, you squat it like an ant. You know, and and so he goes in brass and confident, and oh, we'll just splatter him like we did Jericho. You know, except for one thing: they're miserably defeated at AI. They turn, they run, they're in flight. And Joshua is crushed. He's broken. He's devastated by this. 
And of course, God reveals this because of the sin of this man, Achan, and God brings judgment. Then God brings cleansing, and Achan is removed, and, and, and life goes on. But listen to me very carefully. AI still happened. It was still an event of great humiliation, great defeat, great discouragement, and Joshua had experienced it. Now, here's the point. Does God take Joshua on to possess the land and possess the promise and possess the prophecy? No. What God does is come to Joshua again in chapter 8, and he knocks on the tent flap and says, Josh, come on out here for a moment. Josh comes out. He said, yes, Lord. He said, I've got a job for you to do. Oh, good, good. Which, where are we going this time? What city are we taking? What land is it now? He says, actually, it's AI. What do you think Josh thinks? Oh, Father, you, you know exactly what happened to us last time we tackled AI. It was the most miserable defeat. It was the most humiliating moment of my entire life in ministry. Why would a God of love want me to face all of that again? I mean, why even bring it to my remembrance? Why even stir it inside of me? like the Holy Spirit is stirring inside of some of you right now as I'm speaking. That event, that person, that season, that for you was humiliation, was defeat, was discouragement. That's where the wheels came off the carriage. Even thinking about it now is not a very pretty thing. Why would God want to remind you of that? Why would God ask Joshua to go back to Ai, the one symbol of defeat and humiliation in his life? I'll tell you why. Because God was going to turn the place of humiliation into a place of great triumph. And this time when they went back to Ai, what took place? Or this time they went back to Ai and there's a glorious victory and a triumph breaks out. But you know what? It's not just a victory and a triumph, people. Listen to me. But God says, and this time, totally different with with Jericho. With Jericho, it was a glorious victory and triumph. And man, it was hoo-ha. It was chandelier speaking, you know, tongue talking, hanging. It was unbelievable. But with AI, God was going to take it to another level. Because in AI, God not only gives him victory, but then says to him the reverse of what he said to Majerica. He said, now this time you're to take all the booty, all the resources, all the livestock, all the wealth, all the, all the gain. You are to take all everything with you this time. And so AI not only becomes a place of victory, it becomes a place of resource for all that they were about to do in the future. 
And God turns a place of humiliation into a place of triumph and resource for future ministry. Twenty odd years ago, about 24 years ago now, 25, forget exactly. I went through a time which is, Mike and Joy know all about it. The time, it was, it was my dark night of the soul. It was my, my AI. It was my AI. And they know about it. At the time, I'd had about 14 years or something of pretty successful ministry. We'd bought a, built a good-sized church in the days when a, a good-sized church was 120 people. We had just on 400 people. We had a Christian school. We had 13 acres of land. We had a whopping great building program before they ever really started building big, big program. Everything was touch and gold and gold, and it was awesome. And chairman of the local fraternal, everything was going hot. And in 14 months flat, it was demolished. And looking back on it, we could not see a three-day period in which something significantly didn't go wrong. They took our, we had betrayal in a leadership team. We had a split in the church. Uh, finances went down, the gurgler. Um, people raised up a campaign or smear thing. Um, the lack of credibility. And then uh, we lost the building. Then we lost my house. We lost all our finances. Uh, we went back to scratch. And hey, listen to anybody who say, what on earth? That was shocking. Yes, except for one thing. In the last 20 years, where most of my time I'm speaking into pastors and leaders now, I draw more from those 14 months than the rest of my 40 years serving Jesus combined. Why? Because in those 14 months, God taught me more about himself and about principles of life and about the pain and the suffering that some people go through in the work of the ministry. And God taught me more in 14 months than I'd learned in the previous 14 years. And it became a resource. I do something called Leads of Destiny. Pastor Mike has been to that. And, and, and senior pastors and leaders come from different nations to go to that thing. And I'm starting it next year in UK and Europe, and we have significant men and women coming from across Europe to go to that. Do you know what? 80 to 90% of the material of that four-day seminar came out of those 14 months. You see, no matter how painful it, your AI is, if you'll give it to God, he'll redeem it. He'll redeem it. And instead of being a, we a well of pain, it becomes a well of inspiration and hope for the, for the countless numbers of people that you will be able to share with and say, I was there. I know how you feel. Do you know, friends, listen to me. People out there don't want textbooks. They don't want someone coming up to them and giving them some textbook answer that they learned in college. They want somebody to know how they feel. And who is going to help them? I'll tell you who's going to help them. You're going to help them. 
in the very area of which you have experienced your greatest failure, your greatest disappointment, your greatest pain, your greatest rejection. That is the area that God will redeem and will give to you as a cutting edge into the lives of other people. And the word of the Lord is coming to you this morning. The second time. Do you know what? After Ai, the second time, it says that Joshua built an altar and renewed the covenant. Do you know what that means? It means it became a place of new beginnings. A lot of people say that Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1 and chapter 2, and when Joshua then confronted Jericho and began to, when Jericho came down, that was the beginning of possessing the promised land. Most of us preach that. I want to tell you that's not true. The beginning of possessing the promised land was Ai. It was with the resources of Ai that they went forward to conquer the rest of the land. If they hadn't have conquered Ai, they would have gone through life. Please hear me very clearly. They would have gone through life successful to a degree in many areas of life, but always, always carrying with them that vulnerability, that unresolved issue of AI. And it would always be that little bit of a restriction. There would always be that little bit of confinement. There would always be that little bit of a landing pad for the devil to come and accuse or bring pain or, re, or restore that sense of uh, rejection or whatever it was. And it would always be a stumbling along the way instead of surging ahead without that baggage. So God said, because I want them to take the whole land, reach their ultimate potential, I have to bring them back to AI so that what has been a place of pain is a place of pain no longer, but a place of resource and hope. Friends, your AI is going to change this morning. God's going to redeem it this morning. And God gave me two groups of people that I want to mention right now. I believe there are people here this morning that have felt a dream. You've dared to dream a dream. You, one day you dared to believe maybe that was possible. Gee, God could do that through me, or that's the kind of business I could have, or, or you know, God could use me this way, or my family could be this, or my marriage could be that. And one day you dared to dream that dream. But life has gone over that dream. It didn't work out like you originally thought it might. And that group of people this morning are now in two categories. The first category is that you swallowed your defeat. You went on and you're reasonably successful in many other areas of life. But every time you think of that issue, that incident, that person is still like a lead weight in your spirit. And God's going to redeem it. 
And no matter how successful and fruitful you are right now, it's going to explode when God redeems your AI. And the other, the second category, is those that never really recovered at all. That was the moment when the wheels came off. That was the moment when everything had been going fine up until then. But right now as you're sitting and you're thinking of all the things that you wished or hoped might have happened in your Christian life or marriage or business or ministry, and you're saying, I know, you know, if it only hadn't have been for that, my God, everything was going okay until then. I want to tell you something. God has not forgotten you, and your dream is still alive. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive, it's alive. Your dream is alive. God has not given up on you. I tell you, your destiny is alive. And this morning, you can re-embrace it. And God will redeem your AI. I'm going to open the altars in just a moment. But before I do that, there's something very important that I must do. So I'd like every head bowed, if we could, just every eye closed in a moment of prayer. Can we do that, please, together right now? I just want everybody to still your heart before the Lord right now. I don't know everybody in this building, but my God does. And he loves you so much. So before we have anything else, before we have any music or anything like that, I just want to say this to you. If you came into this building this morning and did not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, if you have never been honest with God and said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. But today I want to make Jesus Christ Lord of my life. And I want to start a new life. I want to be embraced by my Father's love. I want to know what it is to be part of the family of God. I want to know what it is, my Father, to wake up in the morning and to know you personally and real for myself individually. You need Jesus more than you need life. So if that's you this morning and you want to make Jesus king of your life this morning, then raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. The most awesome decision. Was that a hand raised? Just raise your hand right now. Say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord, and this is my moment of decision. The greatest decision any man or woman could ever make is that decision. Just raise your hand right high. I won't embarrass you. I just want to see your hand right now if that's you. If you're accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, raise your hand right now. The second group I want to talk about this morning. Good man. The second group I want to talk about this morning is maybe you have been a Christian. Maybe you have known what it is to know the love of God in your life. But right now you're completely away from God. 
Some others may know it. Nobody might know it, but you know it. You're completely away from the Father's heart. And today is your day for making Jesus Christ Lord of your life again. You're saying, okay, enough. I want to get back into feeling the Father's heart and feeling the Father's love in my life. I'm restoring Jesus as Lord of my life. I want you to raise your hand right now. Say, count me in. Yes, God bless you. Others, yes, yes. Thank you, yes, yes, yes. Anybody else? Anybody else? I'm going to make Jesus Lord of my life again. Today he becomes king again. Anybody else? Yes, God bless you, yes. Anybody else? Cross the line, cross the line. You're making him king again. Anybody else? Wonderful. Wonderful. Amazing. All right. Now, with the rest of you this morning, just while we're in the questions, you know, maybe you're used to a lot of music at this time and that sort of thing, but I'm not making it like that just right now. Right now, I'm just going to open the altar right now for anybody that feels this morning, God has spoken to you. This is your time to renew the covenant he made with you. This is the time to pick up again that prophetic word. This is the time to feel again the sense of commission. This is the time again to say, Lord, what you put, the dream that you put in my heart in the beginning, my God, I can believe for it to be resurrected. I am going to believe for it to come alive again. I am going to cast aside the disappointment. I am going to cast aside the failure of yesterday. And I am going to embrace the commission of God again, whether it was for my ministry or my marriage or my family or my personal life or my business. What you put in my heart, my God, I am going to restore confidence in that. I am restoring faith in that again this morning. And if that's you, I just want you to come out of your seat right now, kneel at the front for just a few seconds and say, my God, I'm giving you the rest of my life and I'm redeeming your promise this morning. I will not sit in discouragement and despair one more hour of my life. Now you just come out of your seat right now, kneel at the front and say, my God, I am, even if it's been a dream that God gave you, that you somehow diluted, maybe you made it more reasonable, but this morning God is saying, restore it back like I told you in the beginning, the, the, the fullness of what I said that you were capable of. And as you come this morning, you're not coming to me. You're not coming necessarily to be prayed for. You're coming to uh, commune with the King of Kings. And you're saying, my God, I this morning recommit myself to that vision. My God, I recommit myself to that dream. I recommit myself to what you told me to do in the beginning, my God. Wonderful scene here this morning. And I just want to leave it open for a few moments now. And the musicians could come if they want. If, you know, obviously, if you're already at the front, then stay where you are. That's fine. But right now, don't wait for people to come and pray for you. It's your covenant time. It's you this morning. You're reaching out. You're saying to him, my father, I renew this covenant. I renew this covenant. 
And I want us all to pray. People in the congregation, extend your hands right now and pray uh, and pour out of your heart and your faith right now and your love to these ones at the front as we join together. And we're going to pray with one mind, one accord in one place. And I believe for a visitation of hope, faith, and courage. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I take authority over disappointment. I take authority over the accuser. I take authority, oh God, over despair. I take authority. Authority, oh God, over intimidation and failure, and we bind these powers, we break their hold on your people, and Father, we speak to your people right now, receive hope, receive faith, receive courage, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, receive it into your spirit, I command it in Jesus' name, a resurrection of hope, a resurrection of faith, a resurrection to take place in your heart, that dream shall live. Father, I pray that over these next few days, there shall be such a visitation of the Holy Spirit of God upon these men and upon these women, O God. That is, they wake up morning by morning by morning. Father, it will be with a dream becoming brighter, the dream becoming alive. Oh God, they're going to wake up in the mornings with a sense of your presence and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And my God, they're going to leap up out of their beds, my God, because they are alive again on the inside. Let destiny grip their hearts afresh, Father. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Can we all just stand in the presence of God, please, this morning? People out in the congregation, you might not have come here this morning, but I want to tell you something. God wants every single person in this church to make a decision this morning to lift the vision higher. Lift the vision higher. If you accept me in a prophetic way at all, accept that this is from God for you as every single individual who is standing there this morning. God wants you to lift your vision higher of what God is going to do through you as an individual, through your marriage, through your children, through your ministry, through your business. Right now you need to shake off all uh, shackles of restraint and confinement and restriction and say, I, God, I'm lifting my expectations higher. Say it to him. Tell him this morning, I'm lifting them higher, Lord. I'm lifting them higher. I'm going to believe that a God of the supernatural, a God of greatness, my God, explode the vision of God in my heart, Father. I'm listening, Lord. Oh, I love you, my Father. Father, I pray over this house, Lord. Great shall be the favor over this people and open heaven over this house and its ministries. Oh God, greater and greater shall be the revelation of the supernatural Christ. And Lord, the ministries that shall be raised up in this house shall touch nations and cities. Oh God, and they shall be even as torchbearers taking the flame of God to many places. Father, they shall begin flames in many places. And Lord, I pray, Father, that this day, this day, this day, day, this day, the flame will burn brighter, O God, because of your presence, because of your word, Father, and because of the Holy Ghost. Father, bring us back tonight, Lord, I pray. Oh, with hunger in our hearts, with determination in our hearts, with a passion in our hearts. 
Bring us back tonight, Lord. And Father, I also ask of you, Lord, bring the unsaved tonight as well, Father. Bring the backslider tonight, Lord, in Jesus' name. Father, thank you, Lord. We give you alone the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.